Good morning, everyone. Wow, um, it's a total privilege, and I'm completely humbled to be with all of you today. Um, I uh, just want to speak. Um, Nancy, like, lived my dream. I always wanted to be a missionary in Africa. That was like my total dream, and. Um, in so many ways, I think we are very much alike. Um, I just have like this incredible heart for children. I just, uh, young and old, especially teenagers, I just, I love them all. Um, so uh, many of you may not know me, um, or we are very new to Trinity Alliance. Um, my, my name is Connie Lewis. Um, I'm from Los Angeles, California, actually um, San Gabriel Valley. Um, I'm a Dodgers fan, sorry. Um, I don't even know who's playing now, but I, I love the blue and white. Um, let's see, and I love the sun. Um, I've been married to Michael for 17 years, and uh, we met um, in the Bay Area at a small home church. And um, the first day I come to this Bible study of this home church, the pastor's like, I have got the guy for you, and in walks this 6'3", blonde, blue-eyed guy. And I'm like, you think we match? And uh, she was right. Two years later, we were married, and um, uh, it was uh, definitely uh, the city mouse marrying the country mouse. We were completely opposites in so many things, but I think um, the Lord has been so faithful that in the things that matter, we are very, very equally yoked. Um, I love cooking and entertaining. Um, like Mike and I have a goal of like having you all over at, at certain times. Um, if, if I could just have one big party, <laughs> I would have the big party all at once. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very Latin to my core. Um, I, 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 um, the more the merrier is always just the theme. Um, let's see. Uh, I love to travel. I've been to Europe, and I've um, uh, been all over the United States. I've been to all, most of the states, except I think I'm missing six. Um, so I'd, I would love, I would love to get those off my bucket list. Um, I'm hoping one day to be Xavier and Luke at Unstable Unicorns. That's on my bucket list. Um, we've been living, <laughs> we've been living in Reading for 14 years. I love the blue skies and the, and the uh, mountains and the lakes. I, I love the unbusyness of Reading. Um, I went to school to be an educator, a special educator. I actually worked for Special Olympics for six years as a fundraiser and event planner. Um, my youngest brother has fetal alcohol, and so I've been, um, I would say, in the Special Olympics world most of my life. Um, I love to scrapbook. I'm a wannabe chef. I would love to write children's storybooks um, when I'm a grandma, not now, I'm too busy. Um, and uh, I would love to write a cookbook sometime. Uh, that's a little bit about me. Um, you wanna show the slide of the kids? Thank you, Sean. Um, I just wanna thank Sean, Pastor Sean, Sean, for giving me the opportunity to share. Thank you, Sean Brackett, for making me look fancy. And Laura, that worship was amazing. <laughs> You did some of my favorite songs from my childhood and, and now, and I'm gonna hold it together, I promise. Okay, when I look at this picture, um, if you told me as a little girl that this was my future, I would not have believed you. I always wanted to have five children. Um, and I just look at them, and that's my 
that is my gold here on earth. Um, it's come with some pain and struggle. Um, my oldest is my stepson. I met him when he was five years old, and he was the sad, sad little boy with this gorgeous wavy blonde hair that I just wanted to scoop up and keep in my arms forever. And it, I fell in love with Justin way before I fell in love with Mike. Um, I, I, I was working, I was working in the children's ministry, and he would just always want to be in my lap and. I wanted to be his mom so bad. <laughs> um, and then uh, nine years later came Maya. So Justin is uh, 24. He'll be 25 this July. He's a structural engineer in San Diego, um, California, where he works for the city of San Diego. Um, Maya is 15. She's a freshman here, and she attends the Trinity, um, no, the, the, the Learning Center here at Trinity Alliance, the homeschool. Ezra is 11. Eden Rose is nine, and Joel is six and a half. I have to say the half part. Okay, let's see. Um, yes, we came last, no, no, no. We came in November of 2019 to, uh, to Trinity, and um, before COVID hit, it was amazing. We had, um, Pat, it's so great that Patty's here today. She has been telling us about Trinity Alliance for years. Patty, Ezra's 11. It's been 11 years you've been telling us. And we finally came. Um, and it's been like, I mean, it's just been everything that we would want in a church. Like, uh, um, I remember one of the first times we came, it was talking about the missions and that the whole family could go. And I think I shared about that when we were getting ready to go to Mexicali. And I was just like, wow, this is where they're, they're putting the gospel into action. And it just, I just knew I wanted to be a part of it. Um, we had so many friends here. All the children had friends here. Um, let's see. We searched for two years to find a church. And I... I I always say it's Jackie's hugs. I cannot wait to see Jackie again. That just like, oh my gosh, I just, I just needed that. Um, and uh, this year we're helping with the homeless. It, the Mexicali trip changed and we're helping with the homeless and the Lord has put like a special heart, uh, special um, fire in my heart for that and our family for that and I'm getting ready to go and it's, um, it's exciting. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about that is kind of why I'm up here. We were given in one of our meetings these tracks, and my oldest had done some training with how to share the gospel with tracks. And I, I've been a Christian since I was five. <laughs> I've never utilized this tool before. You know, I just, I heard about it. I'm thinking, I don't know why. I don't know. You hear about people giving tracks and you just think like it's off-putting, or but it's an amazing tool. And so I was looking at this and. Um, um, thinking about how the gospel is played out in my life. You know, um, how do we share with broken people? Um, I loved how Xavier shared a few weeks ago, we're all broken. There's none that f aren't broken. Um, and uh, although I accepted Christ when I was five years old, um, I still feel like the Lord has some big transformations that I need to do. And that is my husband's phone ringing. <laughs> and it's my oldest child. All right. Um, you know, so I just think, how, how does the, I have the deep need for the Lord. How does that play out in, in my life? How does that play out in your life? Do you have like 
a plan. When you meet someone that has never heard of Jesus, has never really, even if they have, they have, how, how do you share your life? How do you go about doing that? Um, and so today I want to just share of, of like my brokenness as a mother. Um, Mother's Day had, had been for many years a very hard day for me. Um, I was born to very, to very broken people. Um, there was um, alcoholism, child abuse, and adultery on both sides of my family, on my mother and my father's sides. Um, my father was a Vietnam vet. Um, he was an alcoholic. Um, he was married four times by the time I was 18 years old. I went to seven different schools from the time I was in kindergarten to my senior year in high school. Um, my mom was orphaned at three years old when her mother died in childbirth. Um, her father lived, but he was an alcoholic and abusive, and he lost custody of his children. My mom was in foster care her whole um, formative years. Um, my mother became a single mother at 22 years old with two children. I was the oldest and I had a younger brother. So at four years old, um, my, my uh, parents, um, actually when I was two, my parents divorced. In a moment of weakness, um, my mom was in a relationship with a man that was an alcoholic and he um, hurt my brother. Um, the abuse was reported by me as a four-year-old to the paramedics. It was not, anything I would wish on any child. Um, so uh, she, um, when custody came, um, her feeling completely inadequate as a mother, not growing up as a mother, um, not having a mother, she gave custody to my father and my stepmom. Um, uh, she remarried and moved to Michigan when I was in second grade. So um, I just thought that I would never know how to be a mom without my mom. Um, um, I only saw her twice a year. I saw her once at, for a week at Christmas and for half the summer. And um, I had, thankfully, a very loving stepmother. Um, my dad's second wife was very loving, but he fell into adultery again, and they divorced when I was 12. So I was with um, my dad as a single father um, from the time I was 12 until I was 18 and kind of assumed the, the nurture role for my younger brothers. Um, my dad is um, Roman Catholic, military, and very Latin. There was, um, there was no questions, it was very strict, no mistakes, there was just the law of the land. He had a very heavy hand. He did not abuse my brothers and I, um, and I do want to give my parents credit. They did were improvements of their parents and my grandparents, very much so. Um, so yes, I'm the oldest of two brothers, and I was surrounded by boys. So to know what it was to, to be female, when my dad take me shopping, uh, it would be a khaki skirt, a navy blue skirt, a black skirt. He dressed me like a man. <laughs> It was horrible. I had hand-me-downs. I think that's why I'm kind of a clothes hound now. Um, at the time when my mom um, gave up custody of my brother and I, she became a born-again Christian through the Pasadena Methodist Church. Um, 
And I remember at five years old going to Sunday schools every other weekend, she would have us. And for those three years that she was um, in California still, um, we would go to church. She took us to church and I learned about Jesus. And I remember very clearly the first visit going to Children's Church, and they did the flannel graph of Jesus and the uh, loaves and fishes. And I knew, I'm like, I know him. He is real. It was still clear to me to this day, like I just had this knowing that Jesus was real. Um, So I accepted Jesus and was baptized, I think, probably when I was eight or nine. (laughs) But I knew there was a real hope. And I knew my parents were messed up. but I knew there was other people that had hope and love and life inside of them, and I wanted to be around them. Um, So it was devastating to have my mom move out of state. They moved very, very far away. Um, I often felt alone. Um, And I think about, um, this is how people feel without knowing God, right? You feel very, very alone. So I was thinking about sharing my testimony. I was thinking, this is... I can, I can recognize that, you know, I can recognize those feelings of feeling alone and abandoned and hurt. Um, I searched for a church after my mom left and um, I didn't find one until I think I was 12 years old. There was a sports organization that came to our school on school days and they picked us up to take us to our practices. They, um, I had a coach that was willing to take me to church on Sundays. So I went to church by myself. Um, I was a complete, my brother and I were complete latchkey kids um, and kind of raised ourselves. I mean, I have so many scars. uh, Climbing in broken windows because we locked ourselves out of of the house. And I mean, it's really amazing that we're alive. I don't know how people live through the 80s or 70s before before now where they're all bubble wrapped. Um, Let's see. uh, In this church, unfortunately, they had very bad theology. They, they preached that there was no sin um, after your salvation. And at least having some kind of foundation in, as a child of knowing and seeing that, it just was really hard for me. But the one thing that they told was that nobody in their church had ever gotten divorced. And so I was like, sign me up. That's the problem, you know. And so um, I would attend. And I, I often think of it was very just like Pharisees, never perfect enough, always striving, no peace or true freedom. So let's see. My testimony, so that's just talking about my formidable years and and my mentality and the brokenness that I was coming from and then the bad theology put together. It just was kind of a, it's just a mess. (laughs) Um, It impacted my view of life. I am very thankful for my mother's prayers and my own calling from the Lord. I was rescued, but it wasn't easy. Um, I recently saw a documentary about Billy Graham, I think it's like two or three years ago, and I hadn't really discovered Billy Graham before. Um, you always hear the great things, you, you know, had big auditoriums, and you know, lots of people came to the Lord, and I just saw, I saw this documentary about him, like, wow, he keeps it so simple. He just keeps it about the gospel. You know, that we're sinners that fall short. We desperately need Jesus, and he's the answer, and there's hope. And all these years of having church and just the laws and the the pressure to be perfect all the time, I was like, this is it. 
This was breakthrough for me. This was like what I want to share with people when we do go out into the missions field. I don't want to complicate things. Um, let's see. So the tracks, you know, we need, we're a sinner. We need, we need a savior. Jesus Christ is the only way. You want to show that first slide, Sean? So knowing, so that says knowing God personally reconciled into God's family. Um, I definitely needed family. Um, let's see. The first page talks about God's perspective. Galatians 5, let's see, no, I'll go to the next one. <laughs> Thanks, John. God loves you and created you in his image. He wants you to know him and to experience his love and freedom as part of his family. And uh, that is what I craved early, early on as a child. Um, Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Um, as a child, I thought I had to be perfect. I had a father that was very um, commanding of being perfect. Um, I, I was... I didn't want to be the messy child, I, like my, my, my brothers. They, they had, there was lots of complications with them. Um, I wanted to just be good, and I, I had no needs. I'm okay, I'm okay, is what I would always say, and I was, I was not okay inside. Um, fast forward um, to 2005. I am married to a godly man. I have learned sound doctrine. At, Perfectionism has a foothold in my mind and heart, and um, it plagued me. Um, the enemy is relentless. You know, uh, he wants to steal your peace and joy, and he makes us inefficient sowers of God's truth. Um, think about that. If we're feeling very inefficient in our walk, Satan has a foothold. And where is it? You know, um, why? Why do we have that? For me, it had been perfectionism. I believed lies that I had to be perfect. Another lie um, was that my desire just to be a wife and mom was not enough. Um, I remember in second grade, this, the, the year after my mom had left, we were giving strips of paper, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I search and I search, and you see attorney and doctor and lawyer, policeman, garbage man, you know, teacher, um, pet, pet store owner. And I'm looking and I'm like, where's wife and mom? Where's wife and mom? And um, I, as an eight-year-old, I thought I was dumb, that all I wanted to be was a wife and mom. They were wanting us to pick a career. So I, I picked teacher. Um, I thought that was the closest thing to being a mom. Um, and so I, I've shared with other women this story, and I have a friend that even shared that in her school she wanted to pick wife and mom, and her teacher told her she couldn't. She had to do research. It had to be about a career, and I just, it breaks my heart. It is like the most important job as a woman is to know that we have, we have the opportunity to speak into these little people's lives and grow them up with eyes on God. Um, so um, the enemy wanted me to believe that wasn't enough, and uh, um, even though I desired a family. And so we're going to look at number two. 
our condition. Oh, there's me. <laughs> That's right. Our condition. Oh, I look at that and I think how tired she is. <laughs> and look at how pink that little girl is. You could go back to that one, Sean, if you don't mind. Um, I just want to say that um, I think I, I just want to cheer her on. I want to say it's not about being perfect. And uh, <laughs> the baby's going to cry. And you're going to make mistakes. Everybody does. All right. So the, the second one, our condition. Um, I often thought, you know, <laughs> you go out to missions, like the people with the best stories are going to have the most impact, right? You know, and I didn't get saved from drugs or alcohol, but I got saved from perfectionism. <laughs> Um, Romans, um, let's see. I'm going to follow you, Sean. Um, we are all sinners. Sin is part of the human condition. Sin keeps us from knowing God, being part of his family, and experience love, his love and freedom. Romans 3, 23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Don't laugh. But this, literally, <laughs> this scripture literally gives me comfort. All have sinned. We all sin, not some of us, but all of us. Because I grew up thinking I'm the only sinner. Um, one of uh, Joel's doing Awanas, he's three years old. The first scripture they teach them is Romans 3.23. He's walking through the house. All have sinned. We're at the grocery store. All have sinned. <laughs> People come to the house. All have sinned and I'm like oh my gosh yes buddy yes we all sin I hear you it's funny you know the the Lord speaks so much through their little voices and um yes I get spankings from from them from the Lord um <laughs> you know think about this we all fall short we we need to be able to convey that we need to be able to convey that although that our life, we have a redeemer and we're redeemed, we understand falling short. If we, if we can't convey that, we are not going to win people to the Lord. We are not going to be effective for his kingdom. We are not going to be loving people. Um, it's, a, it's a shame to grow up th thinking that I had to be perfect after salvation. Um, and I, I still battle against sin because Jesus' standard is like, if I think about hatred, I'm committing murder. If I even just look at someone the wrong way, I'm committing adultery. Um, I mean, I, I say it all the time. I'm a, I'm a mass murderer in my thoughts. <laughs> it's horrible. I, I really, like, we, you know, I had to, like, stop saying things because, I mean, I really, I really came from the ghetto. Like, I really grew up with, you couldn't wear blue or red because of gangs. And my grandfather was a professional boxer, and he raised roosters for cockfighting. I mean, I come from some serious craziness. Um, so let's see. I had, I had the three strikes. You know, I had um, a brokenness, bad doctrine, and then just my own sin, you know, um, of perfection. So as I brought this into marriage and motherhood. And perfection needed to die. Um, so it, it took time. I often think of, do some of you know or remember the, the show Family Ties with the hippie parents and the preppy, the preppy conservative kid? Well, I was Alex P. Keaton. 
for sure. He was like a hero of mine. I'm like, I feel you, brother. They're so stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> save me from them. <laughs> but I, I do. I do have to give my, my parents so much credit. They are leaps and bounds better than theirs. Um, and although we have not, not had easy relationships, it has been through Christ Jesus redeeming so much, even in, in those relationships. Um, I used to think that when I had a child, I will be that person where they're screaming for the candy bar in the, in the, in the line. Oh, that won't happen. No, 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 no. You know, um, maybe others think that their version of sin is not so bad. Not so bad. Just a little perfectionism, you know. Um, I had this complete delusion that my baby would not cry. I was not going to allow the baby to cry. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't grow up with a mother and having understanding, you know, and um, yes. So I adored my father, um, but with each divorce, he rejected me. Um, he only when he was drunk had he ever told me and my brothers that he loved us. Um, at my most vulnerable, he moves into our home. And um, I still desperately wanted his approval. And, I, and it's, it's been the Lord just peeling so much of that away. Um, I was worried about his happiness and his sleep, not mine. My first parenting class at the Kaiser Permanente in Redwood City was about SIDS. I was convinced this baby was gonna die. <laughs> After three weeks of getting help from Mike, help from my mom, help from my stepmom, I begged, my stepmom was the last one to stay with me with this baby. Her sis, please don't leave, please don't leave, I'm gonna break the baby. And she was like, women have been raising babies for thousands of years. You're fine. She closed the door. She wanted to get sleep. <laughs> it was not any comfort to me. Um, let's see. They didn't understand. The voice in my head was telling me it had to be perfect. I would wake up to see if she was breathing. And I would creak the door in. And nine times out of ten, wake her up. There was no baby monitor. I was exhausted mentally, physically. I was completely defeated. Isn't that like the enemy, though, to steal our peace, right? If we have no peace, it's a huge sign. We're not walking in freedom with the Lord. Where there is no freedom, we are in sin. It's not murder. It's not adultery or stealing, but it's still sin. Um, Jesus tells us, you know, about the hate in our hearts and the, and the looking in our eyes. And I, I have to remember that all the time. We all struggle with sin to some capacity, right? We're sharing this with others. We need to be honest. We need to be vulnerable. We need to let our, our, our weakness be what wins them over. We can't say that we have it all together. Look at me. I never want to do that. And I, I thought that's what the gospel was for so many years of my life. It's foolish to think otherwise. So, um, <laughs> when I have that picture of Maya and I, uh, I just want to say, buy a baby monitor. Um, you're doing a great job. Rest when she's taking a nap. Don't clean the house. I was at my dream job of a wife and mother, and I was a wreck. 
I had gallstones in pregnancy and until nine months because I waited until she could, I could do an anesthesia that would last quickly so I could keep breastfeeding her. It was all about being this perfect mom. I was a martyr, but I had no peace. Um, it was getting to be where it was the two-month mark, and I was having to go back to work. I was teaching uh, at a dream job, working with children with mild to moderate learning disabilities. And I turned to Michael, and I said, I'd rather die than put this child in childcare." And he looked at me, and he said, okay, we can't live in the Bay Area anymore. Let's go take a trip to Reading. So we were done with city life. So page three. God's response. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin. Through Christ's, de Christ's death and resurrection, God reconciles us to himself and adopts us into his family so we can experience the love and freedom he offers. Um, let's see. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through to the Father except through me. Um, although I had been a Christian since I was five, um, the Lord was revealing a serious need in me. I felt like Abraham and Lot being called out of the city, quit my job and move. Um, it was, we get to ready. It's July, 2006, 116 degrees. The friends that were staying with have a swamp cooler. Never heard of a swamp cooler before. On the way back, Mike's head is hung. You don't want to move here, do you? I said, oh, yes, I do, but we're having an air conditioning and a pool. <laughs> I love the blue skies, the lakes, the space. The Lord was faithful to provide. This is encouragement. It is Christ. He is faithful. It wasn't easy to move. <laughs> There was still correction, and I still needed my faith. Um, and, and the Lord has been amazing. All those years of schooling that I did, I ended up becoming a homeschool educator with my first child. Um, I prayed for a, a big family, and after multiple miscarriages, I have our last three at 38, 40, and 42 years old. Felt like Sarah. With faith, there's miracles. With faith, prayers are answered. This is the good message, guys. This is what we need to be sharing with people. This is the hope. Um, I tease that our, <laughs> our last, how old were you when Joel was born? Mike was 48 when Joel was born. So people, are, when they find out our age, they're <laughs> like, why? And I say, it's geriatric care. They, they, we planned it. We meant to do this. All right, let's see. Turn the page. All right, so it's looking at the Je Jesus brings reconciliation and adoption. So we see we're the little people. We need the bridge of Jesus to get to God. I love it. Um, let's see. I just have to laugh. Um, so my family is getting bigger and bigger. My faith is growing, growing. My last child, I have no baby monitor. He sleeps in the room with the siblings. Mama has to sleep. <laughs> Older kids can help. 
It's the family way. <laughs> Yet I still struggle with perfectionism. It sneaks in. I need to clean out my heart. Um, but I remember one distinct Holy Spirit moment. Um, my thoughts were going out of control. The house was never clean enough. Homework was never done. Chores were always looming. Um, nothing was, my to-do list was never finished. I love a good to-do list. I am a type A person. Um, I'm standing in the kitchen, <laughs> getting ready to yell at Eden, Rose, and Ezra. I don't remember what it was. And they're lined up. Maya's doing her homework on the kitchen table. And I've got my mother's pointer finger, and they're going to get tongue lashing. And, uh, and this is, the, the, ironically enough, this was my first time ever fasting, and it was something stupid like television. But it was making an impact on me. And I was feeling the sacrifice. And Joel runs in, just assume he could tell by my tone, mom's man, might as well, I might, I might as well be, I'm in trouble too. So it's all three of them. And the Holy Spirit just shows up. And clearly, the Lord says, these are not your children. They are mine. I have them. Their salvation is not yours. You are to love and to nurture them and put away that spirit of perfection. Um, we do this. We do this to people. We have expectations of our love for them. We put expectations on. Our time is unreasonable. Um, we don't feel to love them freely. So here I was. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me so clearly. I stopped, and um, Ezra, I'm like, is this happening right now? And Ezra's all, hey, Mama, I can feel Jesus. He's touching my shoulder right here. He's like, I think he's behind me, Mom. And uh, if that doesn't spank you, I don't know what will. <laughs> I wept, and I asked for forgiveness from Christ and my children. Mommy needs Jesus. Um, we need to continually die to ourself and sin. Whatever version we have, we won't walk in freedom, and we won't be free to love others as we're called to love. Um, let's see, track four, Sean. Our response. We must individually receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Only then can we be in relationship with God and experience his love and freedom as part of his family. Let's see. I have Jeremiah 21, 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, I was rocked to my core. Let's see. I know I still fail sometimes, but I'm sinner saved by grace. Like that of an alcoholic or a drug addict, I can't go back to perfectionism. I don't do parenting alone. I read his word. All right. The circles. Do we have the circles? Number five. Number five is just this picture of circles. And it's two chairs. One, Jesus is outside of the circle. And the self is on the chair. Second one is Jesus is in the chair. And the self is at the bottom of the chair. 
but Jesus is in your circle. Um, and I think that, you know, when we share in our team meeting, we're talking about there's a third circle. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's when Jesus is in your circle, but he's not in your chair. And you're driving, you think that's a good idea, but it's not. Um, growing up, I so badly just wanted control. I just could see when my dad was going to go down the path of divorce. I'm like, no. Um, it, it's a dangerous place, right? We're deceived to think that we can be in that driver's seat. Every time there was an altar call as a child, I think Rick shared about this in your testimony, you want to go up because you know you're a sinner still. And, but I was finished. I wanted to be free. Um, and so in that moment where the Holy Spirit came in that kitchen with the children and I, I, I was just free. It was the change agent, like so real to me, like that of a drug addict or alcoholic. Second Corinthians says, 12.9 says, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for, your, for power is perfected, perfected in my weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ may dwell in me. So, y'all, I am a recovering perfectionist. It's not fun. The enemy has tried to thwart my desires to be a wife and a mom. Lies that I had to be perfect and I wasn't enough. Um, when I fail, I ask for forgiveness and I try again. Um, one of the hugest things that I think growing up with alcoholics and codependent people that was very detrimental is they didn't apologize. Just wanted to know that they know that they hurt us. And so I take that into my parenting. And I don't like the saying that children bounce back. I don't believe that children bounce back. I don't think that they're rubber balls. I think that they have amazing hearts for forgiveness. And that is where, you know, we have to come humbly and admit our weaknesses. Um, let's see. So we need to choose love, have hope, and forgive my children remind me of this all the time. And I think the crazy photo is next. That's us. That is my favorite family picture. Joel is in the belly. Um, and I think it's a perfect Mother's Day picture. Um, I was, we were getting photos done because Justin was going to be graduating from high school. He's a senior here. And... Um, I wanted to capture our family before Joel for some reason. It just was put on my heart, not knowing that um, six months later we would lose my mother-in-law in a car accident. She lived with us very much like uh, Becky has her mom, and it was devastating. My mother-in-law had represented unconditional um, parental love for me for the 11 years that I had her. It was a, she was a kiss from heaven. Um, she didn't come to know the Lord until three months before she passed. We're sitting around a table. She's a perfect hippie. Had all of her idols in her bedroom downstairs. And Mike was like, Mom, you have all these headaches because you worship Buddha. Stop it. Get him out. And she just is like, okay, I think you're right. 
and she accepted the Lord. She got a Bible. <laughs> it was so crazy. But it took living with each other and her seeing us in our day-to-day -day interactions, I think, with the children and everything just to see that. I just love this picture. I, it, is, it is not perfect, but it is perfect for me. Um, it is, oh gosh, look at Tucker's puppy. Oh my gosh, I just love that. That was on our Christmas card that year. And we, we lost my mother-in-law two days after Christmas. So it was just, so it's just been a crazy ride, right? We follow Jesus. We don't know. It, it's not about not having sadness or brokenness. It's that he is with us through it all. Okay, let's see. It has been the greatest honor of my life to be a wife and mother, and I tell all little girls and big girls, that is enough. Wife and mother is enough. There's no career that is going to satisfy you and challenge you as being a wife and mother. My mother's days are no longer sad. Um, it is a day to be happy and rejoicing. Um, I have, so we moved to Reading in 2006. My mom moved in 2007, three months after us, and my mother-in-law moved here five months after that. So we had two grandmas for one child. It was amazing. Free babysitting. Talk about the Lord redeeming. My mother has lived here this whole time. The first time she's lived in California since she left when I was in second grade. She is a wonderful grandmother um, to our children, and I'm not lonely anymore. Um, we've worked through a lot of things. There's definite brokenness that comes up, but we're both Christians, and we know we have to forgive and, and, and work and, and pray. Um, through the Lord's word and gathering of the saints, my own conviction, I sin less. <laughs> um, one of, a friend shared with me, anger is a horrible master, but a wonderful slave. And its meaning is that anger's root is sadness. And these feelings, the Lord gave us feelings. What are we going to do with them? He's here to help. And he is faithful. And, and this is my testimony. Satan took these pure intentions of wife and mother and he twisted them into a sticky web of perfectionism and woundedness. But my God is my redeemer. He is faithful and true. I walk in freedom knowing he will be loving to correct and guide. As we all go out this week, ask yourself, how is the gospel and God's truth impacting you? You know, it's, it's simple. Um, think of a tract. Grab one of these. I don't know where Erica got these, but just think of in your mind. You know, what is your story? What do you have to share when you meet non-Christians or Christians that are struggling? Um, who's in your driver's seat? Are you the third circle like I was for so many years? All right, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in him. Thank you all for having me today. <laughs>